God is good all the time, isn't He? And even in this morning, He's the Prince of Peace, and He is our Lord and our God. I want to continue this morning on our study in theology, Theo-God study. And we've actually moved on a little bit from that, and we are busy with Christology. Now, if theology means God study, what does Christology mean? Christ study. It's as easy as that. And I want to talk to you today about the Word became flesh, and that is eternity unveiled unto us. Eternity unveiled unto us. So two weeks ago, I started answering the question about, if people ask you, how do you know that God exists? How can you prove that? You're sitting in a mall and somebody walks past and they say, how do you know God exists? Well, we looked at proof in man. There is proof in man that God exists. We saw the proof in nature and we saw the proof in the Word. And by the way, these messages are available on our website. So if you've missed that, you can just uh, put in uh, www.kingswaycf.com and you'll be able to go in there and listen to that sermon. And I highly recommend that because it will put you into the flow of what we are busy talking about. So last week we looked at the deity of Christ, yes? You remember that? We saw Jesus Christ as the Creator, and we saw Him as the express image of the Father, and we saw Jesus as the very nature of God, and He became a human. And and I said it is so important that we keep on telling our children about that. People don't preach about God anymore. I'm flabbergasted by this. I listen to sermons during the week and I turn it on and I go, where is this going? What are you talking about? And, and let, me just, let me just get it off my chest to say it this morning, okay? It's all about worldview. And, and I am sick and tired of hearing about worldview. I want to hear about God. Yes, He's the center point. I want to hear about Jesus. Why? Why do we study Christ? Why do, we, why do you keep on going on about this? Because our little ones, our children, you and me, needs to know that Jesus is Lord. And, and this is the thing. If you do not see that, if you do not believe that, you, leave, you live a Christian life in failure. Can I say that again? Because I see it so many times that people, Christians, who are supposed to be, have, have joy in the Lord are, are living a defeated life. If you have Jesus Christ as the center point of your life, your life will change. And this is the reason why I want to keep on talking about Him as the center of our preaching. So we want to continue today and look at uh, take it one step further and look at eternity which is unveiled as seen through the gospel of john now the first thing before we go into the verses we need to ask the question what is the reason for the gospel according to john why did john write the gospel down this gospel of john was written last after all of the other apostles so why did john sat down and he wrote this gospel in john chapter 20 Verse 30. I want you to go there. John 20, verse 30. Before we go into the first five verses, and this is going to be an introduction into the study of the book of John. 
and we'll go through the book verse by verse in the next, well, I don't want to say in the next few months because it could take us years. This is a guarantee I want to give you today. If you go through this, verse by verse, take your time, the book of John will impact your life considerably. I'm not asking you this morning, I'm telling you this, because this is what happened to me. Every child of God, every new believer should start studying the Bible, not in Genesis, not in Exodus, not in Matthew, in the book of John. So let's first see what the reason is. He says, and truly, John chapter 20 verse 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Just pause there for a minute and think. We read about all of these miracles that Jesus did, and you've heard about a lot of them, haven't you? But John, who spent time with Jesus, is saying to you and me, there are many more. It's not written in the Bible. We can't see it right now because it's not written there. He sees it right there. Okay, he's talking about his gospel because this is written after. It is in chapter 20. I'm waiting for the day when I get to heaven and Jesus can tell us all about the others. Amen? All the other ones which he can't read now. He says, but these things are written. And the question you need to ask if you want to do inductive study. Now, you know what inductive study is, isn't it? You're taking meaning from the Scripture. You're not reading meaning into the Scripture. So if you want to do that, the first things you need to ask is, what things? But these things are written. What things, John? Well, he answers it straight away. He says the things that is written in his Gospel. All the things from John chapter 1 up to this chapter. He says these things are written. Why? That you may believe. Believe in what? It's all there. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He says the whole of gospel of John is written that you may believe. Just one thing. That Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that believing you may have life in His name. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Do you know that you are saved and going to heaven? You don't have to all have to answer it straight away. Do you have assurance that you know that you are saved? John gives us a hint here. He says, look, I've written all these things that you may believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and if you believe in that, that you may have life. What life is he talking about? eternal life. I'm busy explaining to you the unveiling of eternity. He's talking about eternal life here. So he's going to tell you and me that you and I may know that you have eternal life by doing what? Believing in Jesus Christ. And did you see that he's using the deity, Jesus Christ? We looked at that last week, that Jesus was fully God and fully man. And this is important for us. Because if you start believing in those things, then you realize that you may have life. Now, he uses the term Son of God there. Have you seen that? In the Old Testament, they used to do this. Son of means who you are, or you, you proclaim that person. Like Barnabas was the son of encouragement. He was an encourager. 
That's why they call him the son of encouragement. He is an encourager. Jesus Christ is called the son of God. That means he is the son of God. That means he is God. You see where this is going? The word of God is so much deeper than we can ever comprehend. And yet you thought it's just a book with words? I'll tell you one thing, friend. This will bless you. It will, it will, it will occupy your whole life. How old does people get these days? I've heard about somebody getting up to 105 years old. That's not enough to comprehend the Bible. It goes way beyond that. I'm closing in on 50. I'm not even halfway there. But I'll tell you what, if I live another 50 years, praise the Lord, is another 50 years to read more. And I'll tell you one thing more, that in that 50 years, I can go through this Bible a few more times, I will still not have the depth thereof. That's why I love it so much. But if you break it up like this and you say, John, why did you write this? He says, man, I write this whole gospel down for you to understand that Jesus is Lord. Now, in Matthew we see Jesus Christ as the King. The whole gospel of Matthew is about Jesus as the King. And when you read through that, he is explaining to the Jewish people that he is the Messiah. Remember, they were waiting for a king to come and lead him into battle, into victory over the world. Isn't that the message these days again? That the church should step forward and start leading governments? That's not our place. That's how they felt those days. They said, he's the king. But he came in and he said, no, he's a different king. He's a king who's going to die for us. And then he's going to be resurrected. Then he's going to go to heaven and come back and set up his kingdom. His kingdom is not now. His kingdom is coming when he's ruling. His kingdom is coming. And Mark, we saw him as the servant. And I'm going through the book of Mark right now. It's a blessing. I'm reading through it. And in the book of Mark, we see him in his endless activities. He's serving man. He do a lot of things. Mark is an action man. He says immediately Jesus did this, and immediately Jesus did that, and immediately. And that's how when you read the gospel of Mark and you understand that he is showing to you and me Jesus as the servant, you will understand the gospel. And then when you read through the gospel according to Luke, you see his perfection in humanity. We see man as God intended man to be. You say, Lord, I don't know how to live a Christian life. Read the book or the gospel of Luke. But then we come to John, and I love this one, because here we see Jesus Christ as the Son of God. In the gospel of John, we see Jesus as God, the one who changed your life, the one who impacts on your and my life. And today, just in a short way, I want to show you the deity revealed to us. We're going to see the eternity revealed through Jesus as the Word, and this is expressed in three ways, creation, life, and light. Easy as that. Look, friends, let's not make the Word complicated. Complicated is not going to do it for us. So let's get into John chapter 1, verse 1. John chapter 1, verse 1. He says... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. These five verses, friends, 
changed my life. When the Lord saved my soul, I was a young, young man, He saved my soul, and a very clever preacher, a, a pastor said, look, I want you to read through the book of John, start in the very first five verses, think about that, and I did. And I read it over again and again, and I didn't understand it. It looked like Greek for me. In fact, it is written in Greek, but it looked like Greek for me. I was an Afrikaans-speaking person. English was my second language. And when I read it in Afrikaans, I tried to read it in English, and I thought, oof, what is this all about? The Word became flesh. But as you start, keep on reading, you realize something happens. John is unveiling for us eternity right in front of us in those five verses. And you will see it as we unpack it. You see, in these verses, John start by showing that this child was born was the eternal God. In Matthew and in Luke, they've got the bloodline and show Jesus as a human. He was born out of Mary, Joseph and Mary. You remember that? Not so in John. Because John shows us that this child was born and he's eternal God. And that is from eternity. It starts with the word in the beginning. In the beginning. That word means from eternity. If you look into vanity or both sides, you can't comprehend that. You can't see that. It is like a helicopter. I don't know if you've been to a, uh, to a parade. And you stand in the parade in the crowd. And as you stand at the front of the crowd, you see all these floats coming past. And you can see the first float, and it's going past, and as the first float's going past, you look at the second one, and you look at the third one. Everybody been there? You've seen that? People going past, and you're trying to tippy-toe to see what's next, and you tippy-toe because you're in the middle of the parade now. And then when it's finished, you go, oh, that was a good parade. That is where we are. But to explain this to you is God is outside of time. That's eternity. It is, if you go in a helicopter up in the same parade, what can you see? You can see the first float, and you can see the last one, can't you? And you can see the middle. And this is where God is. He can see the beginning and the end at one time. We can't. We stand in the middle. Do you know that He can see today your final day on this earth? He already can see it. He can today see your birthday the day when you were born. You go, wow, that's too much for my brain. But it is. That's how deep it is. Because God is outside of time, and we are in time, we can't comprehend it. And this is where he starts. He says, in the beginning, before everything started. And that ties up with Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, which also starts, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But let's look at Psalm 90, verse 1, which says, Lord... You have been our dwelling place in all generations. Isn't that a wonderful prayer? He's our dwelling place. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That is eternity, isn't it? Have you seen the mountain ranges? They're beautiful. Mount Everest, before that was even made... He was. And we, as again, like I say, standing where we are in the middle of our lives and so on, can't see this the way. And John starts by that. He says, this is where we begin. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Look how Micah puts this. He says, but you, Bethlehem, 
Epaphrath. Though you are little among the thousands in Judah, yet out of you, out of this little one, shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. What am I trying to tell you this morning? Friends, I'm showing you this morning eternity who was unveiled, and we're going to see it now through the Word unto us. John's way of taking us back to eternity is to identify Him as the Word who was in the beginning. So let's look at it. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. The word, Greek word for word there is logos. John 1 verse 14, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelled amongst us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. The Word, the Logos, became flesh. The Word who was in the beginning with God, the Word who was God, what did He do? He became flesh. That means God became flesh. That means eternity took on a fleshly human body. See that? John continues with this. Look, he really, it was so important to him that he keeps on writing about it. In 1 John, the latest, verse 1, he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. He says, look, I'm not telling you a fable here. We've heard him. I could hear his voice. We touched him. We've seen him with our eyes. That eternity, that God, he became flesh, he lived amongst us. And again, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. There is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. There's the three witnesses. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. He says, He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and His name is called what? The Word of God. But look, I don't want to do it injustice just to read Revelation. I like this passage. Let's open up in your Bibles in Revelation chapter 19. Amen. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. It's one of the most fascinating passages in the Bible for me. The most exciting passages. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. You want to know why? Because it explains to us the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Look at this in verse 11. He says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Let me ask the question just quickly. Who makes war? Come on, you see it right in front of you? He makes war. Does it mean that you and I make war? Oh man, I've heard somebody preach one day. They say, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm going to get a horse and a sword and I'm going to make war. I don't know where he heard it from because it ain't written there. 
No way. He says it, and he makes more. He judges. In fact, it goes on in verse 12. He says, his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. Look at this. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called what? The Word of God. Now, let me just continue. And the armies, oh, they say, there you go, the armies. That's it. You know, we're in the army. He says it right there. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on a white horses. Now, I want to show you just something. Look, this is just an extra in there, okay? I'll come back to the study because I think I need to correct it just quickly. Because I hear a lot of war preaching going on. Yeah? But look at this. This is your Bible. It's not my opinion here. Okay? I'm just going to show you what's written there. Whose rope had blood stain on it? Jesus' cloak. Now look at the armies. How was their cloaks looking? Clean, isn't it? It's not your and my fight. It's his fight. You and I are just told to do one thing, and that is to make disciples. You and I are just told to carry His Word, His light in this world. He is the Word. Yes? Man, I can go on about this. I know I'm on a rabbit trail, but look. <laughs> we need to correct things once we get there. Amen? That's why I like to read it in context. His eyes were like a flame of fire in verse 12. And on his head were many crowds. He had name written which no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a rope dipped in blood. When I started off today, I said, look, I don't fight Islam. Why? Because they are a defeated religion. There's your proof. Right there. I've read the book. Does it mean we still need to warn people? Yes, of course. And he continues, he says, his name is called that. The armies in heaven with clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. We are only going to be there and witness this, dear friends. We're going to witness our, our king, our savior, setting up his kingdom, the battle of Armageddon. We're going to witness that. Verse 15, now out of his mouth, how is he going to fight this? Goes a sharp sword that with, with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them like a rod of iron. He himself threats the winepress. Who threats the winepress? He. Of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his rope and on his thigh the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Did I say that right, Andre? No, I think I can do better. I don't want to wake the baby up in the room. <laughs> King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Now, John, if we come back to our study, and I went on that rabbit trail, but I think it was for a good cause. This word, this name word becomes an expression that he uses. But he's not the only one who used this expression about Jesus being called the word, like in that verse there. It is in fact in the Old Testament, when you go back, they knew, the old people, that if you hear about the Word of God, it reflected to God. It's God. Jesus appeared in the Old Testament so many times. He was the Word. 
But he uses this expression. And look this, if you grab this, the word which speaks into our lives is Jesus Christ. It is eternity who became a man. Look, friend, I can't get this because I am a man. I'm not God. I'm not going to become a God. I'm a man, a lost sinner saved by grace. But he who was eternity became a man. How can you get that? You know what I say? I say amazing grace. That's what I say. That somebody so holy, so high, so eternal would come to this earth to die for me. Not, not only just forget dying for a minute, but think about him coming from where he is to come and live on my level. We can't. I mean, and then people go so flippantly and live life out as if this is just a joke. It's no joke. It's serious. God became man. And then he took the next step. He died for us. Eternity unveiled. It is as if God lifted the slayer for you and for me to see him. Don't take my word for that. Jesus said it himself. He said it himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So this word was in the beginning. And now look at John chapter 1 verse 18. He says, no one has seen God at any time. Have you seen God? Have you seen Him? It amazes me again that so many people proclaim they've seen Him, but yet here He comes, He says, no one has seen God. This is just the Word, friends. We need to decide what we want to do, believe the Word or extra. I stand by the Word. He says, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, what did He do? He came to declare Him. Eternity came to be unveiled. And the only way that that could happen was through the Logos, through the Word, becoming flesh. This word Logos is twofold. It is Logos in diathethos, in the Greek, and it is Logos proporikos. Now the diathethos means the word conceived. That says that He was the only begotten Son of God, conceived. The intelligence, that's, the, that's a part that makes up the word. He was the intelligence of God. So when he came down, he had all of the intelligence. And we saw that in the life of Jesus Christ. But proper, proper recourse means he was the word uttered in utterance. That means he really became and he lived amongst us. Jesus Christ is that declaration. Now listen to Jesus himself. He says it. He says in John 14 verse 7, he says, If you had known me, do you know him? That's what I like about small churches. You can look everybody in the eyes, can't you? When you ask the question. <laughs> and you generally just get a smile. You get somebody quickly dropping their eyes. Don't feel uncomfortable. But I trust on the Holy Spirit to ask you this question. Do you know him? Do you know Him? 
Because he says it himself. He says, if you had known me, you would have known the Father. You're sitting here this morning and you say, show us the Father like they did. Look, Philip came to him and says, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. And he says it to him in that first verse. He says, if you've known me, you would have known the Father. Do you want to know the Father? Know Jesus. Oh, I want to know more about God, and, and we want to go into these experiences, yet He's been revealed right in front of us. Know Him, study Him, learn about Him. That's why we are busy with theology and Christology. Look, if it's the only last thing that I do in my life on this earth and passing this church now again to make people know that Jesus Christ is Lord, I've done what I need to do. More people need to know this. In verse 9, he says, Jesus said to him, I've been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? You see, that's an indictment on Philip, yes? Philip, you've been with me all this time. Uh, I don't get it, and you don't know me. Now, before we point finger at Philip, let me tell you, how long has he been with you and me? I told you I'm nearing into 50. He's been with me for 50 years with me, and do I know him? All of that time He's with us. He's been unveiled. You see? Eternity unveiled. He's here. He says, where two or three gathers in my name, there I am present. And then people are looking around and say, where, where is Jesus present? If you understand the Bible and if you've learned more about Him, you will understand that He lives in us. Because He says it in the Bible. He says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ liveth in me. Where two or three comes together, you walk within Him, He lives in me, He lives in you. What is happening there? He's here. He's here in a walking form. But not only that, when we bring the Word in and we open it up and we start reading the Word, what happens? He starts proclaiming Himself. He starts revealing Himself. He starts unveiling Himself. He starts all of this. It's fantastic. This is, why, this is what church should be. We come together and another aspect of Him is exposed to us. He says, Philip, you know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us, say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words, everybody say words. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Again, John is the one who uses this expression, the Word became flesh. Eternity has been unveiled unto you and me. Now let's quickly see how it's expressed in nature. And again, I refer back to the previous two messages because I've touched a lot on that. But here in verse 3, in John chapter 1 verse 3, he says, All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. All things. Do, what does all mean? All means all. That was easy. <laughs> all things. Does that mean you and I? Yes. All things were made through Him. And without Him nothing was made that was made. You see, the Word was before creation. The Word was before creation. And go, I go back to what I said before. Where is eternity? In the beginning. The Word was there before. The Word created all things that were created. And therefore, He Himself is an uncreated being. If the Word was there before everything was created, He was not created. He just existed. 
Did you know that about God? Well, if you know it, does your children know it? And the young ones after that. We saw that of, uh, last week in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. He says, For by Him all things were created, that it's in heaven and that are on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. You are created for Christ. So if you want to come into this happy life that you want to live, you know what you need to do? Live through Him and for Him. So the word is expressed in life and light. It says it there in John chapter 1 verse 4, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Him was life. The word is the source of all life. Jesus Christ is the source of all life. The Greek word for life is zoe, which means it is a life principle. Not only is it physical life, but it's also spiritual life. He created everything, and that is why it says, in Him was life. The life that was, was talking about there was eternal life. It's the life that when you die here, continue on. He brought that. And that life was the light of all men. And this is speaking of spiritual as, as well as natural light. So again, I'll come back to the point where eternity was unveiled. Jesus Christ came and He brought with Him eternal life. And that life was the light to all men who was in darkness. You and I were born in darkness. We were born in a spiritual darkness. You were born a sinner. A sinner. David says, as soon as I were born, I went astray speaking lies. We were born in darkness, and we needed the light to come. Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, it's not on the board, so you'll have to follow me. You say, wow, where is that? Ephesians, the letter written to the church of Ephesia in Ephesus, and we're going to see what it says in chapter 2. He says, and you... He made alive. That means you were dead, isn't it? Come on, be with me now. He says, and you He made alive. But uh, I, I am alive. Yes, you are. You're alive. You're physically alive. But He's talking spiritually here now. He says, and, he, and you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So Paul writes to this church and he says, you were dead and in your sins and in your trespasses, and you need a Savior. And the world doesn't want to hear that anymore. So he was the life, and that was the light for all men. Now, he says in verse 5, John chapter 1 verse 5, he says, And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. You see, he, in him was life, that was the light, and it shines in darkness. Isaiah 9 verse 2 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. We were in darkness, people. And then eternity was unveiled. And when we saw eternity in the form of Jesus Christ, what did He bring with Him? He brought life, which was the light 
and shined into darkness. And finally, it says the darkness did not comprehend it. There's two ways of looking at this word comprehend. The first way is the, the light could not hold it, or the darkness could not hold it. And we see this in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. He says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but became fertile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And I see this happen so often. You preach the gospel to someone, but you see they can't comprehend it. How? Because they continue with their lives. We proclaim the light to them. We say, look, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is life. Young people, listen to me. You want to have life? Get Jesus. No, no, don't get Jesus. Get Him to get you. Is, is that making sense to you? There is no life without Jesus Christ. But know this, if you are going to ask Jesus Christ, there is a light that's going to come in and it's going to shine into your darkness. You say, oh, I've got this little room here which I don't open for anybody. That's where he wants to come in. And he will shine his light in your dark places. Now it's going to hurt. I'm going to be honest to you. It's going to be truthful sitting down, but the light cleanses. And the light brings life. That dead feeling you've got of the things you feel so filthy about, He washes it away. The second application of the word comprehend, which I suggest is the better application for this passage, is that the darkness could not overcome the light. And that is the true application here. The darkness, He, he shines the light into the darkness and the darkness couldn't overwhelm it. You see, when this place is dark, we turn on the lights, and the darkness flees away, goes away. When Christ comes into your life, into this world, the light is turned on and the darkness disappears. It cannot comprehend it. And that is the application for this. So I give to you this morning, this the first five verses, and that is that, Eternity has been unveiled unto us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and darkness did not comprehend Him. Next week, we're going to start looking at the background of the book of John, and we're going to look at John the Baptist. Looking through the eyes of John the Baptist when he came in touch, face to face, with eternity unveiled. When he came face to face with Jesus Christ, how did he react? And how can we learn from that reaction? In Jesus' name, let's pray.